So story time. Um, well, first, let me check my notes to make sure it's story time. Um, so we've been in a series titled Jesus People, and it's been a study through the chapters of 8 through 12 of the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, and we've been taking different moments that uh, Jesus interacted with his disciples and people who were following him to explore the idea of discipleship and how that might apply to our lives, which we'll get into in just a moment because it's going to be awesome. So you can go to the next slide, Richard. Um, the title for today's message is simply Grace. Grace. Our passage is Matthew eleven twenty-five through 30, wrapping up the chapter. And the big idea that we're going to be exploring together today is that from Jesus we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. From Jesus, we learned the unforced rhythms of grace. So now it is story time. You can go to the next slide. So um, that song uh, was one that I always have these songs where God is doing something in my life. Uh, I was a worship leader for many, many years. Um, and so it seems that in some season, there's always some song uh, that kind of encapsulates whatever I'm going through. There was a point where it was the song Oceans. I'm not going to sing that for you today. That's a whole other thing. And I don't want to go there for reasons. But anyway, um, my point is that song was really instrumental for me because um, in around this time, March of uh, 2021, I was in a leadership group at our church, not this church, but one in Portland, and uh, we were doing some really intense discipleship. My pastor there, he's awesome. He's a good friend of mine, and, uh, but it was really intense and really hard, and we were talking about, you know, essentially like contentedness, I think, was what we were talking about, and I was really wrestling because I was also going through some life coaching where the big question is, what do you want? What do you want to pursue? In, in all the like, best sort of way, what do you want? And at that time, I was serving as an associate pastor, and, um, and I really wanted to step into being a lead pastor again. And it reached this point where in our family and churches, there were a couple, including this one, that were open, where some guy was retiring or something had happened. And so... Um, and what that meant was I was somebody who was signed, sealed, delivered, and able to fill those roles, but I was still an associate pastor at my church. And that was really a struggle. And on multiple occasions, there were people who, like in this one-week span, where they went to me and they said, hey, I don't think you should try to force this. Because if you try to force it, it's not going to be what God's timing is for this thing in your life. And I was really wrestling because I'm like, but I want to force it. I want to send in my resume. I want to do this. I want to do all the things I know how to do to where I could, I could get there and I could do it. And in the Bible, we know that that's not always a recipe for good things, right? That's a recipe for disaster. And so... Um, 
that song, I was uh, also working as a, a part-time janitor at another church of ours, and um, I was cleaning, I was vacuuming, and that song came on because it was this brand new album by the, the group Maverick City, who I love. Um, but it was the song, and it just hit me really hard because uh, that, that word gyra, it's, uh, it's Hebrew for provider. And uh, that's a name that God gives himself in the scriptures, that he is our provider. And so it hit me because I knew that, and I knew that word, and I knew its meaning. And the fact that I was trying to do all of this on my own, in my own strength, to try to make it happen. But really all God was asking me to do was to trust him with it and to find my contentedness in him. And so even the words of that song, you know, I will be content in every circumstance. And even the, the, the lyrics of the verse, I've never been more loved than I am right now. And so with all of that, what about this picture? Story time. So right on the heels of that, right after this great revelation and, you know, of coming to peace in terms with the fact that I was going to wait for God's timing, um, I get this random text message on the following Sunday saying, hey, Tim wants to be a lead pastor, right? I have a friend in American Falls, Idaho, who they have this church. They need a lead pastor. I think Tim would be a great fit. That was something I didn't try to orchestrate on my own. I didn't even know American Falls, Idaho existed <laughs> in the world. Um, most people don't. Uh, it's right outside of Pocatello, uh, and that's a great thing. And so that led me on this journey to where uh, this picture was taken at the beginning or middle of June of 2021, where I went there and uh, I, was, uh, I was trying to preach. And don't get worried, I'm not moving to American Falls. So don't breathe, breathe, here we go. But in that season, I didn't have a peace necessarily in that moment when I was, that was taken from our hotel in Pocatello because there's not that much in American Falls. And so we were out there and I'm trying to figure out, God, what are you trying to say to me through this? Because it doesn't make sense. And on the heels of that, that's what eventually brought us here in 2021. And as the story would go, as I would like to frame it, is that I had these two equally awesome opportunities to serve these small churches that really just needed a shepherd. And as a shepherd, that was something I wanted to do. And as I reflect on all, all the factors, all the data about American Falls, Idaho, and the church that was there, um, I believe it was God showing me his goodness. It costs a lot of money and gas to show me his goodness <laughs> to get there. But that whole experience, it was like this glimpse, this picture of God saying, I've got you. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. And that eventually brought me here. And I'm so grateful. Um, I'm grateful that uh, Rob Griffiths uh, decided to retire 
And I, because that meant that I, right, I know, amen. Uh, I'm glad that I could come here and be able to serve our church for the last year and a half and counting now. And I'm, I'm glad for that. And I say all of this because I did nothing to earn it. Shoot. Ah, man, it's just God's grace that has brought me here. And that's that story of that. Now, let's do some review. Oh, man, I got to recover from that coffee. Here we go. <laughs> it's going to be a fun sermon, y'all. Okay, so let's do some review. So we're talking about grace this morning. But before we get there, let's do some review of our series. Our first week, we talked about the cost of following Jesus and how Jesus, he challenges our comfort and convention to embody his way. That means that when he calls us to follow him, that means it's not going to be comfy, but it's going to be good. And it's going to be something that ultimately helps us express what he's given to us. Our second week, we talked about the call of discipleship or following Jesus. That is that Christ's call communicates compassionate character. Jesus, when he calls us, he calls everybody, uh, the people we like and the people we don't like. And that means ultimately that God is showing his love to us in that call, in Jesus choosing us. Third week, we talked about contending in discipleship. That means uh, contention. That's a weird word to think about within discipleship. But ultimately, it's like there is this spiritual battle that's going on. And so as we engage in our faith, uh, we express heaven, God's kingdom, his domain here on earth. We express heaven when we follow the Holy Spirit's leading. It's not just us doing it in our own strength. It's us following whatever God is wanting us to do and being obedient to that. Our fourth week, we talked about carrying uh, how we carry our faith. We carry discipleship and how Jesus empowers his disciples to carry his kingdom, mandate, and authority. What that means is that Jesus calls each and every one of you, when he calls you to follow him, he's not asking you just to do it on your own. He calls us to go and preach the good news or share the good news. He calls us to also demonstrate the kingdom here, sharing God's love here. And that comes, I mean, the list that Jesus gave to his disciples was pretty harrowing because not all of us, I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless you have, raise your hand, uh, none of us has raised anybody from the dead, right? Um, yet Jesus said to his disciples, go do this thing. Okay, Jesus, <laughs> I guess we'll do that. Um, but I'd say that flippantly, but, you know, if I were a disciple right there with Jesus, I'd be like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know about this. But yet we get to carry what Jesus gives us. And so we, he empowers us to do it. It's not us doing it in our own strength. It's God doing it through us. Last week, in an, that's all with, with just the core disciples. Then there's the crowds and the cynics who interact with Jesus in this time. And the fact that uh, at that time when Jesus was walking this earth, there was just concrete evidence that God's kingdom was happening <laughs> right there. And then uh, what we might call today, 
And the big question that Jesus has for the people there was, are you paying attention? He who has ears to hear, let him hear, is how uh, Jesus phrases it in Matthew's gospel. And so the same challenge for us today happens where there's things that are happening all around us each and every day that are evidence of God's kingdom breaking in, showing up today. And the big question is, are you paying attention and what are you going to do about it? If you are paying attention, are you going to be offended by it? Or are you going to see whatever God's doing and say, okay, all right, Lord, I'll follow that. Or I'll, I acknowledge it and I'm going to, you know, be in relation to that. So grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Okay, I digress. Here we go. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew 11. <clears throat> Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25. It's a rather short section, but pretty powerful all the same. Um, I'll be reading from the NIV, but whatever translation you have is good. I also have it up here on the screen. All right. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Amen. So the first thing I see in this passage is that the Father's gracious will to reveal His kingdom. The Father's gracious will to reveal His kingdom. So did you check, did you ca catch on to it? So Jesus said in verse 25, uh, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. What things? Well, the things of the kingdom. So uh, there was a list earlier in chapter 11 that basically said uh, John's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you the one we're looking for? And Jesus said, well, go and tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, and good news is preached to the poor. Essentially, Jesus was saying, yes. <laughs> in, in Jesus speak, uh, it, that's his way of saying, look at what the scriptures have said. I'm doing it. So yes, I am the one who is there. But he's, he's calling them to, to search deeper, to, to look at the evidence. That's what we covered last time uh, or the last couple of times. And so, that's, that's what God has been doing through Jesus, but he's hidden them from the wise. Is he really hiding? 
not really. But yet there are people who it's like they have their blinders on. They can't see whatever is right in front of them because they can't, can't get past whatever their hang-up is that's in front of their face that they can't see. Because Jesus, it's like if I were to look at, you know, Jesus healing the lame man who couldn't walk, and then suddenly he's up, he's jumping around, he's running around the place and everything. If I'm one of the Pharisees who's hung up on like, but it's the Sabbath day. You can't heal on the Sabbath day. There's six other days to heal. Come on, buddy. I got my blinders up. The wise and the learned, the people who should know better, and yet, for whatever reason, they can't see what's right in front of them, what God's trying to show. And so he's hidden them from the wise. But then I love what it says, and revealed them to the little children. That's, uh, that's first century speak for... Um, for people of low stature, people who don't really matter. That was kind of the attitude towards children in that day. It wasn't until you became an adult that, well, we really count you (laughs) at that point. And so Jesus says that you've revealed these things, the things of the kingdom, to little children. And then it says in verse 26, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. I love how the English Standard Version translates that verse, uh, verse 26, because it says that, it, Father, it was your gracious will to do so. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we think we have this picture of God the Father, and it may not be the right picture. Let me show you what I mean. Richard, you can go to the next slide. So here are some, are at least four examples of fathers. And I love, so we can either look at someone like Samuel L. Jackson, where I've had that look with my kids before. I love it. But angry dad, angry father, right? And usually there's some connotation that comes along with that anger and that forcefulness, like, what are you doing, fool? (laughs) Kind of thing. And so you got angry dad. You have idiot dad, Homer Simpson, I loved The Simpsons growing up as a kid, and now I'm terrified to let my kids watch it. But there's that, that show where you have the dad, who's, he's the character who, he's kind of a doofus, and he's kind of dumb, but, but he, he has a good heart, but it's like we don't really respect Homer, do we? We don't. Then we have the picture of the distracted dad or the absent dad. And then we have in the, the lower corner there, you know, the dad who's engaged, he's intentional. Um, that guy's not famous, or the lower half isn't really famous. But what's fascinating to me as a dad is I've been every single one of these. And that's hard. Because I think, when I think of God the Father and what I think our passage is trying to communicate to us is that God's heart toward you and I is that lower corner where the sun's riding on the shoulders and there's that engagement and God wants that connection with us. And so there's that revelation of God's goodness and that, that, uh, that connection that's there. But then how often do, uh, you, I'm sure you've had people in your life say, oh, well, God, he's just, he's kind of out there. He's not even right here. Like, I shouldn't, I, 
I don't care about that God because God's not really here, right? Absent Father. Or then some of the people are like, well, that's just ridiculous. God doesn't exist. God's not here. God the Father, why are we even thinking about that? That's, that's stupid. That's idiotic. And then there are even more of the people like, um, <clears throat> where they get this picture of God more often than not as like angry, wrathful God. And I know that there are aspects of God's character where he, he gets angry about stuff right? But then too often the world gets this picture of God as he's just angry and he's about to fly off the handle at me. What I think our passage is trying to communicate is that God is actually, like, even if he gets angry, even if he gets silly, if, if we want to transform that idea, even if maybe he, he's removed his manifest presence for a moment, his heart is still towards his kids, you and me today. And so when we think of God engaging with his creation, which of these pictures comes to your mind? What do we expect from God the Father? You can go to the next slide. The second observation I have in our passage is that Jesus knows the Father and chooses to reveal. Jesus knows the Father and chooses to reveal. What that means is that, did you catch in verse 27, it's this beautiful thing where Jesus says, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. What's interesting is that that word know, it's a... <clears throat> The word, it, it suggests like an intimate family kind of knowing, where if, if you want to think of it this way, because we believe that Jesus is God, he's, we believe in what's called the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that co-eternal, they've been around forever together. And so God the Father, he knows Jesus. He's the only one who truly knows Jesus. And likewise, Jesus is the only one who truly knows the Father. And then what's beautiful is that Jesus chooses to reveal the Father to you and I. Because we all have those pictures in our mind of what the Father means. Whatever baggage we bring to that term Father in that picture of who God might be, only Jesus truly knows, and he chooses to reveal that heart to you and I. Now, what's interesting about that is um, Jesus also points out that the Father has committed all things to me, or all things have been committed to me by my Father. Um, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the the Son chooses to reveal him, all things. That's basically Jesus saying that he is the fulfillment. If you want to know the Father, if you want to know what God is truly like, go to him. Similar to what that song that we sang earlier, Jesus Strong and Kind, 
suggests that if I'm experiencing all this different stuff, Jesus says, come to me because I will meet that need. And then there comes the point in the song where it says, basically, Jesus is coming to you because in our own strength, we're not able to to make up the difference on our own. You can go to the next slide. So to think about this idea of revelation, though, uh, as a kid, I think it's still ex- around, but there's this show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's that perfect reality TV show. There's this family who has this need for an updated house, and so they, they ask the show creators to come out and do this remodel. And so send the family on a vacation somewhere for a week, and then they do this major overhaul that nobody could have ever thought or imagined. And then there comes this point where they bring the family back. They have the whole community around there, and Ty Pennington speaks in the bullhorn, driver, move that bus. And then the bus moves, and then, whoa, this amazing house is here. What? It's so different. Um, (laughs) And the illustration breaks down uh, because, I mean, ultimately where it's good in this illustration is that these are people who could never have afforded this kind of upgrade. It's like if I were to do all the things that I really ought to do to my house, (laughs) it'd be a lot of money, folks. It really would. Uh, it was a lot of money just to bring it up to speed as, as it is. But there are people who, like, it was enough just to get them into the house, let alone do this big makeover that they really need to accommodate their, their living. Where the illustration breaks down, though, is that although people have, uh, um, they've advocated for this particular family to get this makeover, the show still projects that this family deserves this makeover. When really, at the heart of it, the family needed the makeover, they needed the thing to happen, but the way the show projects it is that like, well, this family, they've done all this good in the community, well, they really deserve it. And the fact is, you and I, as as fallen humanity, we don't deserve God to come and do this big makeover in our life. We need it like nothing else, but we don't, we haven't earned that right. And yet it's his grace to do so. It's his grace to even reveal it in the first place. Jesus chooses, it's an intentional move to reveal that to us, that that intimacy with God. It's his will to do so. And so, it's interesting that at the beginning of that verse, it says all things. I would even say all people, really, are given to Jesus in this way in order to reveal God to him, where all things have been committed to me by my Father. And so Jesus chooses to reveal the all. Who are the all? You and me. We're the ones that Jesus has chosen to reveal the Father to. 
It's that revelation that's not earned, it's simply given. And so that big idea of from Jesus we learn the unforced rhythms of grace, everything about discipleship, even down to the choosing where Jesus has chosen you, that is a gift. It's not something that you have earned. Like where Jesus, well, I guess I owe this to you, so I'm going to disciple you now. That's not how it works. It's a gift. It's grace. So the next slide, third point, is that Jesus offers rest for the weary in himself. And so Jesus, he offers this invitation in verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What are they tired from? They're tired from trying to do things in their own strength, trying to do religion in their own strength, where if Jesus is inviting them to come to him, there's this mentality amongst all the world religions. This is where most all of them have this similar concept that well, you really have to earn your way, and so you have to do all these works before you can experience connection with the divine. And yet, what is different about Christianity, what's different about Jesus, is that instead of him saying, well, guys, you got to do all this stuff before you can get to me, so good luck. That's not how he does it. Instead, he, he issues the invitation and says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You don't have to try to do it on your own. I love that line of the song Gyra where it says, it doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. God loves you and he loves me. And what that means is that we can work ourselves to the bone. just to try to earn God's favor. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you right where you are, and he invites you right where you are to say, come to me. I see you're tired. I see you're burnt out. You're weary. You've been trying to do this on your own all this time. All I want you to do is come to me and find your fulfillment in me. You can go to the next slide. So this, this picture hits way too close to home. So it's a, a picture of a mom who's pouring herself some coffee, but she's so tired. And there's the kid, all energetic right behind her. Okay, mommy, 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 right? And the mom's just trying to pour herself a cup of coffee, and she missed the coffee cup. <laughs> and what I love about this picture in, in relation to what we're talking about is that Jesus has asked us to find our fulfillment in him and our refreshment in him, where he promises that rest. And that Greek word means, in the original language, refreshment, literally like stopping work so you can be refreshed. And I love coffee, and coffee is great at refreshing me for a moment. It's a momentary pick-me-up, and sometimes that's 
great for me to get through the day. But ultimately, if I want to be refreshed, Jesus suggests and claims that come to me, I see you're tired, you're so bedraggled, just leaning in on, on your, 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 your hand there and everything. Find your rest in me. Find your rest in Jesus. And so that revelation that Jesus wants to give us of grace, it's so the revelation and the rescue from whatever we're going through, it goes hand in hand. And the rescue ultimately leads us to that new reality of experiencing and encountering his grace, that undeserved gift that we haven't earned, but we so desperately need. And so that big idea, from Jesus we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. In that last little section, Jesus invites the people who are there, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's literally the image of like a yoke of oxen where you have that big heavy piece of wood that that ties oxen together. So take my yoke upon you um, and learn from me. And that word for learn in, in the original language is directly tied with and linked to the idea of discipleship us learning from Jesus what it means to truly live, to live like him. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So from Jesus, we learn the unforced rhythms of grace because this is something that we, that that he just, it's a gift to us. It's not something that we work for. We don't work for our place in the family of faith. It's something that's given. And that's really important as we wrap up and and the worship team, you can start coming up. But so often in the church, um, I have encountered people where they accept salvation. They say yes to Jesus. That's really great and good and wonderful. And then when they go to do something in the church and they say, well, I need to serve in this place or do this thing, the attitude they have is as though they're paying God back for salvation. Like, which kind of messes the whole picture up altogether. Because them to have a place in the family, when they say yes to Jesus, you are a part of the family. You might be a a really young part of the family and you're really green and brand new. But God loves you. You don't have to work for that love. He loves you regardless. You don't have to earn it through ministry, through, through serving in the church. We need help, folks. <laughs> but, but ultimately, 
we get burnt out when we try to figure that we're trying to pay him back or trying to earn his favor in some way. His grace is enough. It's sufficient. And he offers it to you and me. So let's pray.